everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world as you join us this week. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Girl Club. Uh, we like to call this the show where real girls have real talk about real issues, always seeking to apply our real faith. And what exactly is real faith? You know, for me, real faith has been a commitment constantly to surrendering to the word of God, the scriptural biblical word of God in my life. It means that I am not perfect and that we make mistakes and we go through things and we have challenges and we have issues and we know those issues are real. But real faith means that you've submitted and surrendered your life to the word of God and to Christ as your Lord and Savior. And in that, you're holding on to God's hand while you try to get through all of these real issues and real challenges and real life stuff and scenarios that everybody faces. So, you know, I I, I think it's kind of at this point and this week, I want to say that at Cynthia Garrett Ministries, we and, and my goal from day one was to create and bring you walk shows, not talk shows right? Because the world doesn't really need another talk show. I mean, if you actually pay attention to talk shows, you know, here in America, we launch one or two or 10 every season, every year. Uh, We cancel some, we replace them with others. I mean, it's just, you know, I know a lot about this world because I've been a part of this world for years and years. I've hosted a lot of these talk shows and I'm always, you know, aware of the fact that I've been really blessed, you know, to be given that kind of a platform. And I've, I've had a lot of fun. I've met a lot of interesting people, but you know, when this journey for me started with Cynthia Garrett ministries, it was because in my heart, I realized that the world and the women and men who were in the audiences on all the different talk shows that I hosted, different events that I hosted, they didn't really need another talk show. You know, we would blab on and on about celebrities and movies and TV series and offer three makeup tips, but zero resolutions, zero resolutions to the real problems that I saw with real women daily. Every time I sat in a studio audience, those women weren't coming after the show to talk about how to change their hairstyle. They were coming to me to ask me questions about how to change their life in a real substantive way. And so it was that yearning inside of me that caused me to really want to step outside of that very limited bubble and do a show that could bring real answers to your real life challenges and and your growth. You know, seeing people grow, especially women who've been through stuff, is really important to me. And it's just been a calling on my heart since I was actually pretty young. So I just, you know, can't stand the fact that we live in a world where people's outsides look great, but their insides are dying. And so that's why I believe that, and I committed myself with this particular ministry and organization to creating and bringing walk shows to a world that needs to know how to walk out its life with Jesus Christ, because it is only my faith in Christ that's gotten me through victoriously every issue and every life challenge. And I promise you, if you'll try it, if you're not a believer, take Christ at his word, get to know him. It is only a faith in God through Christ as your savior that will bring you victory in your life. And it'll bring you through every challenge that you face. It'll impact every dream that you have, and it'll impact the environment every time you walk into a room. You know, I know this because I am a woman of God who found and accepted Jesus Christ as my savior through my trials and struggles. And I have a very strong conviction and faith in the fact that can't nobody do me like Jesus and can't nobody do you like Jesus. And, you know, every, every week we get started with girl club and sometimes we are, you know, we're in it. And so I wanted to make sure this week, because I am here alone with you today and uh, the girls, Christina Reynolds, Christina Boudreau and Nova Page, my girl club crew regulars, 
all have just stuff going on, you know, in this busy season. And so rather than do a pre-tape or cancel today or change today, the Lord said to me, this is a moment for you to bond with the rest of your girl club crew members. So I wanted to really talk to you, first of all, and let you know that my faith and my passion for doing these programs comes from the fact that I found Jesus in a very real way through my very real life struggles. I think it's easy for you to maybe watch and sometimes look at me or look at the other girls and you see, you know, women in ministry, uh, women in leadership and women who may look like they have it all together, but we all have a struggle and a past. And the Lord has brought me through my struggles with sexual abuse as a child, um, rape as a teenage girl, and through years of low self-esteem and struggle and looking for love in all the wrong places. And, you know, if you don't know my whole testimony, uh, most of it can be found in my first book, Prodigal Daughter, A Journey Home to Identity, where I try to share openly about why I believe so strongly in Christ, because I saw him move in my life and I continue to see him move in my life. And I see him move in all of your lives, you know, with the the breakthroughs that you share with me or the testimonies that you share with me. And I, I just, I, I look for him every day in the world around me because I have found that when I look for him, I will find him. And Mike Bickle, the pastor of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, made a statement many, many, many years ago in my walk with Christ. And I I wanted to know God deeper, you know, and I walked into a church that I'd never been to before. That's called IHOP, the International House of Prayer. Uh, my son was in school in Kansas playing basketball for the University of Kansas Jayhawks, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. And, um, you know, we needed to find a church. And someone pointed me there. And I went for the first time. And as I was kind of going through this thing in my life of wanting to know God more, Mike Bickle steps on a pulpit and he says, hey, if you want to know God more, you have to look deeply into the face of Christ. And that really, it really hit me, you know, um, that the way that we know God is about knowing intimately Jesus Christ and what Jesus came here to teach us. And that includes the Holy Spirit. And it includes also an understanding of ourselves and the familial relationship that we have with God the Father, you know, and there's no better way for us to learn that then by looking at God the Son and watching the role model of sonship, you know, and fatherhood that the two of them provide for us to look at when we dive deeply into the New Testament scripture uh, gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, you know, in the Old Testament, God's people of Israel knew of God the Father, but only in a general sense, right? For instance, since God is the creator of all things, he can be called father. Well, Jesus Christ reveals an entirely distinct fatherhood of God. He reveals, as Paul writes in Romans 8.15, Abba. Abba is a Syriac word that signifies my father. Abba is a word that intentionally relates familial imagery right? It's a word of intimacy. In other words, God isn't just father in the abstract sense of creator, but in a real familial intimate matter with his creation. Abba, Abba, Abba father. Furthermore, this Abba is also not just calling upon God as father in a familial intimate matter, but it's also calling upon the person of God, the father, the first person of the most holy trinity. For in Christ, we not only get to call God Abba, but we also receive the revelation of the paternity of God the Father from Jesus the Son, as I said earlier. And Jesus the Son is the second person of the Most Holy Trinity who's eternally begotten of the Father. It's really beautiful, and it's actually pretty simple and deep when you really start to dive into it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to dive into some things and then 
time allowing, I'm going to, you know, try to answer some of your questions or, or shout out some of your comments because you guys always have great things to say. So we read in John 1, 18, for example, that nobody's ever seen God. The only begotten son who's in the bosom of the father has made him known. Or, right, as we read in Matthew eleven twenty seven and Luke 10, 22, and I'm calling out these scriptures because there's so much in actually this study. Um, and I'm really bringing you more of a true study today since the girls aren't here. So I want you to, you know, take out a pad and a piece of paper and write down these scriptures and go back and read them for yourselves. But as it's written in Matthew eleven twenty seven and in Luke 10, 22, all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So you need to understand right now, for those of you watching, if you know Christ, he's been revealed to you by, by himself, you know, and by, and, and if you know God, he's being revealed to you through Jesus Christ. So the son, Jesus is a huge influence, you know, and revelation on our revelation about God, God, the father. So how then does Jesus reveal the person of God, the father? Well, okay. So it's easy for me to say it, but I started looking at 10 ways among others, right? But these are 10 that popped out to me for today that where the revelation of Jesus draws us into the mystery of his sonship relationship with God, the father, and therefore our relationship with God, the father. And the first one kind of is called, I would call it the incarnation, you know, John one, one to 14, right? You can find this here. The incarnation is the external prolongation and extension of the procession of the son. So as we read in John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I proceeded and came forth from God. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me the justice and mercy of the invisible father and his love and providential care of his beloved creatures has a face in Christ because of the incarnation, right? Because Christ is the incarnation of God, the son and, and the revelation of God, the father. And then two, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. Okay. So that's written about in Luke 2, 41 to 51. And as Jesus says to Mary and Joseph upon their reunion, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now a father different, of course, from Joseph himself, who's really and truly only the foster father of our Lord. Number three, his preaching. In Matthew 5 to 7, um, you hear a lot about this. And we read in Mark 1, 14, that after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. Okay, his preaching is most famously cap captured in the Sermon on the Mount, which emphasizes the fatherhood of God. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, God is called father 17 times. Now, why emphasize God's fatherhood in this sermon? Well, because Jesus is God, the son, who's calling us to be the sons of God ourselves, the sons and daughters through him and with him and in him. And this is why I often, you know, here on Girl Club, I'll refer to us a lot as daughters, daughter, 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 because I think it's important that we understand our relationship to God through Jesus Christ as daughters, you know, Jesus prepares, Jesus is the way that we can go directly to God, the father, we know this, but it's also important that we understand that we are daughters, because if we understand that we're daughters of God, I think it begins to help us step powerfully into our identity in Christ, right? You know, when I began to understand myself as a daughter I didn't need to look outside of God anymore for the love that in many ways was tainted and stolen from me because of my sexual abuse, because of my self-abuse, because of my brokenness, 
You know, it wasn't just sexual abuse that set the foundation of my life. But, you know, when you move forward from these kinds of experiences into adulthood and you carry all that shame and guilt and low self-esteem and condemnation and self-destructiveness, you choose relationships that mirror this toxic attack in your life. You choose people, you know, that will hurt you to play out what you project onto the world. You know, I'm a victim. The world is going to victimize me. You can't go forward like that, you know, not positively. And this is what Jesus Christ came to set us free from. So knowing God by looking deep into the face of Christ is even more important because it's in God and from God that we can receive freedom from these chains that want to bind us and really and truly destroy our lives and destroy the calling on our lives. So, um, you know, God got me through not only those things, but eventually because of my poor picker, you know, um, a horribly destructive first marriage, um, abusive first marriage, uh, cancer, you know, the challenges of being a single mom and starting a career and needing enough provision, lack, you know, all of those things require a strong foundation built on the rock, the rock of Christ, to really have that strong foundation built on God. And then the word of God becomes even more important to your life because you realize that it's through the knowledge that you obtain in the word that you grow in your faith and your faith at work, right? We're always seeking here to apply real faith to real issues as just real girls, because that's all that we are. Doesn't matter what you ever become. Doesn't matter how famous you ever become. It doesn't matter how not famous you ever become. Doesn't matter how much money you ever have or don't have. There are things that never change about who you are. You are God's daughter. You are called by Him to know Him, to love Him, and to receive love from Him, and to be able to overflow that love into the lives of other people. This is powerful stuff. Your identity in Christ is everything. So knowing Christ is everything. So one of the fourth ways that we really get to know Jesus and get this revelation of God is through his works. And John 5, you can look at John 5 for a lot of this, right? Not only do the words of Jesus testify to God the Father, but so too do his works, his healings, his miracles, all of the acts by Jesus that show his, I mean, his insane supernatural spiritual sonship with God are major ways to know God. You know, Jesus's healings and his miracles are documented. Even if you don't believe, you can actually look into the history of Christ and learn this stuff. And I mean, you got to really study it. You know, I find it sad that a lot of times I go, you know, I'll go on Google or the internet just to look at how non-believers, atheists, demonic spirits, how people who are really hateful to the word of God go into things like Wikipedia or on the internet and they just put false doctrine out there. They just put false stuff. So you have to really do this work for yourself. You got to get really strong and knowledge-based, Bible-based, scriptural-based teachers and friends and people in your life. Because you want to know what the works of Christ really and truly were and are. And I say it that way because Jesus Christ is the same scripture yesterday, today, and forever. And all things that he did, you can do through him and in his name. So, you know, I love that Jesus says himself, right? If I'm not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I too am in the father. So I think this is an important scripture to apply even to ourselves and our own lives, you know, because a lot of times I look at a situation and I'm like, <clears throat> you know, if I'm about 
<clears throat> excuse me, if I'm about my father's business, then he's going to be about my business. And you don't even have to believe what I say, but if you watch what I do, then you're going to know and you're going to understand the God that I believe in. And you'll know that he's in me, you know, and it's when you watch people and you look, you watch the fruit of how they live their lives. You're going to know a lot of things about people because a lot of people profess Christ, but there's no fruit of Christ in their life. You know, they don't even walk in the, the physical fruits, love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You know, these are things that, you know, when I see a person who responds to situations and to other people <clears throat> with the fruit of Christ, you know, shining from them, it's powerful to me, you know, uh, and, and, and it's funny because I see a lot of this on my own Facebook page, not the ministry page not all the time on the ministry page, um, but on my personal page, you know, the attacks that sometimes come and I'll try to respond from a place of truth and love, but from my closest, you know, friends, people that I've known forever, it always surprises me when they don't pick up a phone and call, you know, because if I know you and you know me, then you probably pretty much know that my heart is open to you and that my works have evidenced my love of Christ and Christ's love of you or those people through me because I'm surrendered to him. So another thing, I think the fifth thing uh, that's really, really, really important for you and I to understand in a revelation of God through looking at Christ is Christ's interior life. Luke 3, 21 to 22, Luke not chapter 9, verses 28 to 36, really talk about this. We see in Jesus Christ's interior life, that his life of prayer is all about his turning as son to the father and the father turning likewise in testifying to his son. So in both cases of the baptism and the transfiguration, for example, Jesus Christ is praying. And as he's doing so, a voice from the heavens proclaims him, the beloved son. And by uniting ourselves to the interior life of Christ, we literally pierce into the heavenly mysteries. Your interior life needs to resemble an interior life like the one that Jesus had with God the Father. You know, it was that prayer, that supplication that we see Christ constantly going to the Father. And you know, I'm so impressed with so many of you who join us every week here on Girl Club because it's evident that sure you may not give yourself credit for the fact that, you know, it's even in your struggles, you actually have a powerful interior life, but you do. I see women here and men who are constantly turning over their situations to God. Even in your struggles and even in our struggles, we're constantly going to God. You know, that's that's really the best and the greatest that we can do is to take our stuff to the Lord and allow him to change us. And you know, one of my favorite scriptures is be ye continually renewed. You know, be ye continually changed by the renewing of your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's it. You know, Jesus, the son continually renews us so that we can truly understand God, the father. So it's his interior life. It's our interior life. Which, that's so important. And number six, the passion. Okay. So in Matthew 26 to 27, in Mark 14 to 15, in Luke 22 to 23, in John 13 to 19, in all of these places in the gospel, we see the passion, right? And honestly, nothing reveals the love of the Father so much as the passion of Christ, which shows that the Father's infinite love for mankind doesn't even spare his only begotten Son. The crucifixion especially signifies the love that the Father has and had for the world, a love which caused him to send his only son to death to redeem us from our sin. This is heavy stuff, I know. You know, even for believers, 
because none of us would let our sons die for anybody. And I'll be real. I wouldn't. But Jesus's obedience to the will of the father is captured no more powerfully than in the agony in the garden. And there it shows forth his union of his will with the father's. That's crazy because Jesus didn't want to die, but he was obedient, you know, and it's interesting because I love the scripture that says obedience is better than sacrifice because I don't think that the sacrifice of his life, we know in the passion in the garden, Jesus agonized. He didn't want to die, but he loved his father so much that what he wanted to do was complete what he was brought here for. He wanted to carry out the the end of sheep and lamb, right? The end of the, the physical sacrifice of animals. He wanted to carry it out in his in the physical sacrifice of his own life, his own death on the cross for us to redeem us, to redeem us sinners, to redeem us who've made mistakes, to redeem us who in response to our sexual abuse and rape and victimization and lack and doubt and fear. He wants to redeem us who've experienced all those things and responded in a lot of sinful ways to all of those things. He doesn't judge us. He died to redeem us. So his passion to be obedient to the will of God is really powerful. And no matter what you're going through in your life, I encourage you, you know, I really encourage you today, tonight, whenever you're watching this, to submit to the will of God, you know, because if you submit to the will of God, he'll lighten your load. You know, uh, he says, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for my yoke. You know, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And I, I see so many TV programs, you know, lately. I love to watch documentaries. And I see a lot of shows about, you know, with a lot of people who've suffered in agony over something they, they, they or things they feel they can't change, circumstances that they feel they can't change. But the reality is, you'll never change those things in your own flesh and by your own devices. You've got to look deeply into understanding who Jesus Christ is, to understand also who God is, to know that he will carry that burden. He will lift it from you. He will give you the ability to submit to the will and the way of God the father, because it's God's perfect will for our lives that gives us the full abundant life that we're supposed to have. That means a life where we're not judged, a life where we don't struggle, a life where authenticity is truly a powerful thing because Nobody can mess with you because you know that you are strongly rooted in your identity in Christ, living out the calling on your life, walking in the purposes that make God glorified through you. There's no doubt. There's no question. And you and I both know that if you know God and you have doubt and question about your life or about the circumstances of your life or the choices of your life, then there's a problem. And there's a problem that Jesus wants you to bring to him, not because he's going to judge you and hurt you, but because he loves you. And then number seven looks at the church's great commission. And you can really study that a lot in Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Just prior to his ascension into heaven, Jesus gives his church its mission to teach all nations and baptize them. That's really and truly what we're here to do. We're here to be living witnesses of Christ on and, and his teachings. We're here to, to teach the nations. We're here to make Christ so alive and beautiful in us that people choose him and get baptized into the faith. And you know, the formula for baptism itself reveals to us the three persons in one God, 
when we're baptized into the passion, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, it's in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit that we begin to really find a very deep life of of revelation to many, many mysteries. The three persons in God are distinct, yet they coexist. They're co-equal and they're co-eternal. And this is a truth that it's a truth that's always been a part of my life, but it's a truth that as I've grown in the knowledge of what it is and what it means, it's a truth that has given me more and more peace every day. The real peace, peace that surpasses understanding, peace that is bigger than my circumstances. It's bigger than external validation or affirmation. I don't need it in the same way that I needed it as a young girl in my 20s. I know who I am. And when you have that kind of peace, you have also power. So, and it's spiritual power. It's not secular power, right? And I have found that that is, that is the power that I long for. That is the identity that I long for. And I know it's why you're here. And I know it's why you watch. And I know it's why you're a part of Girl Club. And I know it's why you're listening even now. Because something in you knows that in your flesh, you have no power. So the sending of the Holy Spirit, number eight. And this is all kind of stuff found in Acts, the book of Acts, chapter two. The sending of the Holy Spirit is really important to this understanding of the triune God, God, the the, the Trinity of God, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. What's it all about? Well, we read in Acts 2 of the first Christian Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, which marks the birth of Christ, that this is crazy, right? So the blood of a lamb, let's talk about the Passover, really the symbolism of the Passover. The Israelites took the blood of a lamb without spot or blemish. Scripture, the blood of a lamb without spot or blemish. That means a perfect lamb, a lamb free of imperfection. And they put that blood over the home of the firstborn of of, of every family because death was going through to kill the firstborn, right? You know the story of the Passover. But I just, this symbolism always blows me away. So it's that blood of the lamb without spot or blemish that was used to save everybody in the house from death. Come on, you guys, this is Christ. This is Christ. It's the blood of Jesus who died on the cross, that same market on the wood, right? That has saved all of us and promises to save everyone in your household. So for those of you who are contending in prayer, for family members who don't believe, Just keep praying in faith and thanking God for what he's going to do because he did it before he'll do it again, right? He will. He's faithful. The Holy Spirit descends upon the faithful and the first Pentecost, and that was the founding gift, and it's the soul of the church, right? So we know in Acts 2, when the the Holy Spirit descended upon, I think it was over 120 believers, about 120 believers in in the room. And you got to imagine, you know, their savior has been crucified. Jesus has been crucified. There's so much going on in those, those first 50 days after the death of Christ. And you've got all these followers of Christ in a room and it's crazy because the Holy Spirit descends. Now, the Holy Spirit was promised by Christ repeatedly. If you look in the Gospels, that would be our gift. Jesus said, I got to go, but you're going to get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will convict you of what's sin and what's not sin. He's going to show you. The Holy Spirit's going to pursue you. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you to places where you're supposed to be, where you can fellowship, where you can grow. And he's also going to show you what you shouldn't do. He's going to show you what sin is. That's why the Holy Spirit's so powerful. Now, what does this have to do with God the Father? Everything, everything, because Jesus made it abundantly clear that the Holy Spirit is the promise of God the Father to us. 
So I really want you to look at Luke 29, 49 and Acts chapter one, verses four to five. I really want you to study, you know, how the first church, how the church was formed. It wasn't about, you know, any one man speaking on a pulpit. It was about the one man, man, God, Jesus, really and truly making God manifest in the flesh for all of us. And in Acts, you know, we see how the first church is formed, you know, and it's a beautiful, beautiful part of your history as a believer. And if you're an unbeliever and you've stumbled upon this, it's a beautiful part of your history, whether you know God, your father or not. So you can live the rest of your life not knowing, or you can just investigate the truth that we're sharing here every week. The truth that I, for one, definitely have committed my life to, you know, it's the truth that sets me free. It's the truth that I go to time after time after time to get over the things that have victimized me in my life, because I don't live my life as a victim. I live my life as a victor. And when you live your life as a victor, you can look around at everything going on, politics, the craziness of our nations, the craziness of the, the, the changing administrations. You can look at the lies in the news, in the media, and you can see truth because you've rooted your lives on the truth of Christ. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free and you'll have freedom from fear of anything that you see going on. You know, you'll have freedom from fear that laws are going to change and impact you in any way because man doesn't matter. God is on the throne, whether our leaders acknowledge him or not, whether the person that you work with, whether your boss, whether your friends, whether they acknowledge him or not, if he is on the throne of your life, you will be proven correct because Christ is always proven correct in you and through you. Bible, as the Kardashians say. Um, And number nine, which is really beautiful to understand. It's the infusion of faith. And if you really look at John 3, 36, you'll understand the revelation of God the Father is made even more personal to us with the infusion of the theological virtue of faith into our intellect, right? Because a lot of people, their brains get in the way. Their intellect gets in the way. I mean, I was talking to someone, a very close friend the other day, and I said to him about his two daughters who are experiencing miracles by people who are praying over them in Jesus' name, and they sort of get it, but they're not ready to use the word Jesus because they're Jewish and their intellect is in the way. Some people are, are, are so smart that books and knowledge and science and archaeology get in the way. Because it's not just that they're Jewish, it's that they're super intelligent girls, awesome girls. But you know, it's interesting because I always think about the scripture. Jesus came into the world and he chooses the foolish things to shame the wise, right? He chooses the weak things to shame the strong and the proud. And it's because there is nobody bigger than him. And our intellect only takes us so far. There's only so much you can think that you know until you get to the end of what you know. And what you think you know about God is nothing if you don't actually know God. Because I promise you, you cannot study deeply into Christ and know him as your savior and understand God as the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and go away from that. You just can't. It's too real. It's too powerful. It's why Moses turned, you know, everything turned white and he had to take off his shoes. He was standing on holy ground when he was standing in the presence of God. And what did God say? We can't stand in his presence and not completely burn up. And it's not because he's bad. It's because he's so good. It often makes me think of the weight of goodness. You know? The weight of goodness, the goodness that exists in Christ, the love that exists in Christ, it's heavy. He obeyed God to the point of death 
on a cross, believing and knowing that he would raise again in three days. And that no matter what this world tries to say or do to erase him, he's still the most debated, talked about thing on the entire planet. They fight over him. You know, we've got groups that kill Christians because they want to put the word of God out. We have persecution, even in our own nation, because corporations and governments and administrations want to really and truly erase the word of God. They will use God and the name of God even to try to erase God from our nations, from our lands, from our laws, from our history. You know, you can look statistically and see that the entire world changed, you know, This entire nation changed and changes the more we drive God out of it. When we took prayer out of schools, this nation changed. Look at stats. Crime increased. Abortion increased. Everything that is ungodly began to grow when we took prayer out of schools. And what was wrong with prayer in schools? What was wrong with praying with children? with giving them an inner hope and an inner relationship with God, their father. The same inner prayer life that Jesus Christ had, really and truly. I beg and dare somebody to write me, what's wrong with that? That comes from love. Christ is love. God is love. We as believers love because he first loved us. And I love that scripture because we wouldn't even know how to love if he didn't first love us and give us a a manifestation of what his love for us was all about. You know, this stuff is really powerful, really powerful for, I'll say it again, the revelation of God the Father is made even more personal to us with the infusion of the theological, the scriptural virtue of faith into our intellect. Don't be so open to all the stuff you see in the world that your brains fall out of your head. And don't be so closed that you're not open to good, solid study of theology. Because it will will take your human intellect and honestly, it will increase it. It won't ask you to believe in something that can't be proven true because the Bible can be proven to be true. For as Christ speaks in the gospels, faith is eternal life for us. That's already begun. In John 3, 36, it says, he who believes in the son has eternal life. That doesn't say that, you know, he will have eternal life. It says he has eternal life. It's active. Right now, for those of us who believe in Jesus, our eternal life has already begun. You know, and you might ask, but what is eternal life? If not the knowledge and the love of the triune God, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. As Christ says, this and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 17, verse verse three. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Our eternal life has already begun because we know the only true God and we know Jesus Christ, whom God the Father sent to us. The manifestation of him is God the Son. You gotta look deeper into the gospels to really and truly know Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I know we all have Bible reading plans and there's all these recommendations of how to read the Bible. But you know, for me, when I first read the Bible, I was, I was living through a situation where I had run off as a young girl at the height of my pain and self-abuse and self-destructiveness. It's all in prodigal daughter, a journey home to identity because I had lost my identity. I didn't know who I was. I knew some things I wanted to do and achieve. And I knew I wanted to conquer the world. And I knew I wanted to prove something. And I knew I wanted people to love me and to validate me. And that was all driven by the brokenness inside of me that came from my sexual abuse. And, 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 and from that 
rape as a teenage girl. And from that, every other poor choice that I made and a lot of self-inflicted, you know, destruction through alcohol and drugs, because a lot of people who are in pain, as I was, they turn to alcohol and drugs. They turn to sex and relationships. They turn to exterior pursuits of fame and validation because they can't find any kind of interior way to validate themselves. Probably because they don't have as strong a relationship with God and as strong a knowledge of their identity in Christ that they that they need to have. So, you know, it's this eternal life and it's this knowing God and knowing that Jesus is my savior, you know, that really brought me home to my identity in Christ. And I talk so much about this in my first book because it's not just the circumstances of what I went through. It's not just finding Jesus Christ in a prison cell in the middle of my first horribly abusive marriage. It's what I found in that nightmare in myself for those three months and two years testifying in trial after trial, almost two years, so that I could get home with a baby under my arms. It's not the details. And there's some pretty crazy and incredible details and miracles in my testimony, but it's really and truly the lessons that I learned because I chose to take the scripture and try to infuse it into the mess I was living and find truth and freedom and victory. And I found it. And I've met hundreds of thousands of people around the world in my walk with Christ that have found the same freedom, the same victories, because they submitted and surrendered their lives to Christ and to his word and to knowing Jesus, the son, our savior, and to understanding the gift of the Holy Spirit who came into the world to convict the world of sin. Right? He teaches you right and wrong. And it's not my job to convict you of sin. It's the Holy Spirit's job. These are powerful truths, you know, and it is, it is those lessons and those truths that emerge from our testimonies as the shining light and as the sword, sword of our spirit, the scripture that we use, right? That's what emerges from our testimonies as the, the powerful purpose, you know, the powerful, uh, the, the power, actually, the actual power that we're given in Christ. It's these lessons because these can overflow into the lives of other people. And these things impact every room we walk into. There's a light of Christ that he turns up inside of us as we continually apply the word of God to our mess, to our personality, to the things about us. He turns that light up and it's called the light of truth. And I got to tell you, the greatest thing that you can have, make a note, is a teachable spirit. You know, as an athlete, my son was a high-level Division I athlete and then played professionally for a couple of years. Having a teachable spirit is one of the things that every coach ever alluded to. Oh, he's got such a great teachable spirit. And it's a very deep spiritual truth. When your spirit is teachable, God can teach you. The Holy Spirit can teach you. He can change you. He can impact you. You just have to be open and have a teachable spirit. And the last most powerful revelation of God that I see in Christ, the 10th one, is all about our own testimony to Christ, right? Jesus's own testimony to Christ. Matthew 10, verse 32, take a look at it. Mark 8, verse 38, take a look at that. Luke 9, verse 26, the Christian life of faith, hope, and charity is most fully perfected in our conforming to Christ crucified. For our Savior demands that we pick up, pick up our cross as he did, right? He picked up his cross. Now we got to pick up ours. But this carries with it such an incredible promise as well 
of coming before the Father victoriously clad in our suffering. And it's written, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. That's written in Matthew 10, 32. And I love this scripture. And this scripture really impacted me on my journey of growth many years ago when I was still struggling to put to death a lot of my flesh. Because I knew, bottom line, that there was something about acknowledging Christ boldly before men that would also guarantee that he would acknowledge me before our Father who's in heaven. Don't you want Jesus to acknowledge you before God who's in heaven? Don't you want him to intercede for you in prayer as he does? So for me, acknowledging Christ isn't like, and I know a lot of people, you know, from my secular TV career of many years who they kind of get, you know, why I do this. Um, And they sort of say, yeah, that's Cynthia. I get it. Because I guess even in my really imperfect self, they saw Christ in me and heard Christ evidenced out of my mouth, even through my years of really not full surrender. Because I believe that we can be saved, but not fully surrendered. And I know there's some of you who get that. Um, So that's a beautiful gift, right? Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who's in heaven. Somewhere in my mess, because I acknowledged Christ boldly, he was acknowledging me. And in that, he allowed me to be prepared and he gifted me with faith and he changed me through Christ who strengthens me. You know, these aren't, these are, these aren't the only ways in which Jesus reveals the father, but these 10 ways are so important to me because I think they capture a really comprehensive, if brief overview, right? Jesus came to do the will of the Father, it says in John 6, 36. And he did the will of the Father, indeed. And it's through Jesus and his obedience to the will of the Father, which culminated in his passion, his death, his resurrection, that we ourselves return to our Father in heaven. I like to say that in the beginning, God already had a comeback plan for Adam and Eve falling in the garden. He did, because God exists outside of time, right? He is he is eternal. That means he was, he was, he is, and he will be. He is to come. You know, when he says, I am that I am, it's because he was there in the beginning, he will be there in the end. He's here in the middle, but because he's outside of time, he already knows. He knows. He knows what you would go through. He sees. He sees us. He saw us before we saw this struggle today, whatever that struggle today may be. He saw us and and our dreams before we even had the dream, whatever that dream is that you have. So our surrender to him and our deep dive into Jesus as our Lord and Savior to bring us an understanding and a deeper revelation of God is the greatest thing we can do for ourselves. God doesn't become more God because you choose to acknowledge him or not. Jesus Christ doesn't become any more or less the son of God or your savior or truth whether because you choose to acknowledge him or not. He doesn't fall off the throne because you choose to write a negative comment about even this teaching today or not. Because my words I know are antagonistic to the kingdom of darkness. They're antagonistic to Satan. They're antagonistic to the demons that roam around even our nations that exist in the hearts of men, even men who quote scripture. Satan knew scripture. You got to look and you got to judge and you got to move based upon yourself having an intimate knowledge and relationship with Christ so that he can say to you, "Uh uh-uh, that's false teaching. That's a false prophet. That's false doctrine. Don't follow that. 
Don't be seduced. That's why I always say, you know, don't be seduced by cancel culture. God doesn't cancel anybody. Jesus died to redeem us. Would he cancel people who'd made a mistake? Would he cancel people who've sinned? No, believe it or not, he waits there with loving arms, hoping that they'll surrender to him. And if they won't, it's their choice. He doesn't force himself on anybody. So that's kind of what I wanted to share today on Girl Club. And um, I'm going to take a look if there's any comments or anything to shout out before we go. But um, yes, a teachable spirit. Yeah. I mean, how many bosses and how many situations have you worked in where you realize in hindsight that if you're if you'd only been a little bit more teachable, you might have gotten promoted faster or you may have achieved more, you know? Um, so if you have any questions or any comments, um, I see a lot of comments, you know, um, it's good to be here with all of you today. You know, thank you for your, uh, your, your shout outs. Um, there's a question at Cynthia to get the ball rolling. Miche, did you have a question? Because I didn't see it. Um, but, ah, power of virtuous woman. Um, yeah, we'll keep you in prayer. Um, I know a bit about biopsies. My Man, my husband has had so many of them uh, in the last two and a half years dealing with his thyroid cancer. So I just want to lift up our sister who goes by power of a virtuous woman. God, her moniker says it all. I ask that her liver would be detoxed and cleansed right now in Jesus name, that her biopsy would return positive. And I thank you for that. And I also ask that you would I'm sure she may know, but Lord, if she doesn't, introduce her <clears throat> to the different things like milk thistle tea and the different healing teas that she can take <clears throat> to detox her liver and, and cleanse her liver. Lord, just let her see them. You'll supernaturally bring them to her because I know how you've taken Roger and I on our journeys through cancer. So I'm grateful for her. She's a powerful sister in Christ and she has much to do for the kingdom and for you, Lord. So she's not done yet. And in Jesus' name, I thank you for that. Um, Miche, I see. And uh, Pinu, timely teaching, Cynthia, the Holy Spirit is what we need to walk us through this time in wisdom and peace and grace. It's true. Um, <clears throat> oh, we need the Holy Spirit more today than we've ever needed him. That's why we've got to have a very intimate and personal relationship with Christ, you know, with God, our Father. Um, because he speaks to us. Why? Because he's our father and we're his daughters, we're his children, and he does speak. So, you know, if you don't know that you're a son or a daughter, I want you to stop right now and repeat after me out loud because a lot of people get blocked in their ability to hear God's voice because they actually don't understand their relationship to God in the kingdom. They don't understand that they're a son or a daughter. And so the enemy can play with them. So, out loud, I, fill in your name, am God's daughter. I, fill in your name, am God's son. He is with me. He is in me. And he speaks to me and cares for me as a father. Because though I may have had a good or a bad earthly father, he cares for me so much more. So in Jesus' name, I receive the ability to hear God's voice. And I will listen. I will sit with the scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted. I alone in the nations. And I will exalt him in my life. In Jesus' name. You know, I think about this talk show, actually, since we're talking about hearing from God and um, needing to hear from the Holy Spirit. It was Joy Behar actually on a talk show here called The View, and she was making fun of Mike Pence when he was uh, still in office about, I think it was Mike Pence. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Mike Pence. I could be wrong. Anyway, she was making fun of someone who said that they, they hear from God. And that was so crazy to her. And I remember sitting there thinking she has no idea who God really is. She doesn't have any idea of who she is really is to God. 
And it made me sad because she really made fun of him. And I just thought, you know, when she has to either give an account for that, well, we're going to have to all give an account for everything. So when she has to give an account for that, she's going to experience a lot of, uh, a lot of fear, I'm sure, and trepidation and shame. And I, and I hope and I pray that she'll come to repentance about that and that she'll come to hear God's voice for herself, you know? Um, but uh, I just asked, this is Miche's question. I just asked if people still remember today who Christmas is about. Yeah, honestly, Miche, that's kind of part of the reason why I think the Holy Spirit brought me this particular teaching on my heart today, just to share for Girl Club today. Um, Christmas is about Christ. And does God have to cause, you know, well, no, God doesn't cause bad things, but does he have to allow, you know, pandemics and the shutdown of governments and economy and supply chain in order for us to actually remember what Christmas is about? I hope not. Christmas is about the celebration of the birth of Christ, period. And we are Christians. We are called that because we're followers of Christ. And anyone who claims to be a Christian who's hurt you or disappointed you or wound you, please don't hold that against us, against believers. But even if you do, don't hold it against God. Don't hold it against Jesus because he's not here to hurt you. He's here to give you revelation about who he is, who God the Father, your father is, and how they created you to live your life. And what a real abundant life free of shame and fear and guilt is all about. Because a lot of you know shame and fear and guilt, whether it was put on you by someone else or whether you think you were created in such a way that those things are a part of your life and that they're a part of your choices. They don't have to be. Uh, okay. God bless you. Um, however virtuous woman and you're welcome for the prayer. Um, Irene says, I'm learning that being intentional is key. Intentionally submitting to God's way, intentionally seeing others as Jesus does, intentionally choosing my identity about myself based on Jesus's standards. Amen. Irene, we have to be intentional, right? About seeing others the way God sees them. Because let me tell you something, with some of the people that go on my Facebook page, even people I love, and they just attack me and make nasty comments. And these are people I've known my whole life, who I love, who I'm here for. I'm here for you if you're watching, I'll, always. Even your nasty attacks or comments don't change any of that. But it's crazy. I have to make an intentional choice to love them and see them the way that God does. Because if I love them and see them the way that I do through my eyes and my flesh, it can get ugly. You know, it can get ugly. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And in acknowledging the truth about who I am and how I'm made, as scripture says, our spirits may be willing, but our flesh is weak, then we can actually maybe begin to intentionally just choose Jesus in those situations. Um, Irene also says, it's good to learn more about how to be my authentic self as God intended. It's true. And I pray for each and every one of us that we could be our authentic self as God intended, because I think we live so far away from what God really created us to do, be, and say, and how he created us to act and to live and to respond to others, even in ugly times and ugly situations. We're so far away from that. But anytime I get close to responding to someone else from a place of godly wisdom, godly love, godly scriptural insight, I really feel like the power of Christ surging through me. And I feel better, you know? I feel better that I chose God's love for someone than Cynthia's. I feel better when I choose God's mercy for someone than my mercy, which may or may not be existent on a certain day or in a certain situation. I feel better when I choose not to cancel someone because they made a mistake, but to seek the wisdom of why they made that mistake what brokenness and what circumstances have they lived through in their lives 
I feel better when I choose to employ the fruits of the spirit rather than the fruits of my own anger, hurt, pain, and judgment. So I just want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of Girl Club. I hope that you will push the button if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe so that you get notifications every week about um, when we're coming on. I hope that you'll share this, uh, this session or one of the many Girl Club sessions that we've brought to you. I hope you'll share it with someone who needs to become a member, who may need to subscribe. I hope you'll be bold about Christ in your life. And I hope that you'll acknowledge him before men because he acknowledges you before the throne room, you know, before the throne of heaven. And I hope that you will know how loved that you are. And I hope that you'll give him a chance. So like, subscribe, and share. And tell two friends. Help us grow. I'm Cynthia Garrett. Thank you for watching Girl Club and being a part of our Girl Club crew. Thanks for being a regular. Thanks for newly joining. And um, I'll see you next week with the girls. Bye. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.